Well, good morning, and I want to welcome you, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. I want to say a special, special welcome. I know I've got some family members that are watching, and I want to welcome you and just remind you that I love you. If you are a guest this morning, I'm going to ask that immediately following the service, if you would just go out to the guest services, we have a gift for you. And I'm just going to be wide open and tell you we're trying to bribe you, okay? Now, here's what we're trying to do. We want you really to think about making Central Community your church home. If you have a church home and you just happen to be visiting today, God bless you. We're glad that you're here. But if you're looking for a church home, I would ask that you would pray about making Central Community your permanent church home because we have a place for you. All right, so we are now going to finish up today um, our series on Jonah. And we kind of took the week off last week because I know people are trying to get last-minute vacations in and things like that, and we're going to close that today. But we're going to close it with chapter 4. And I want you to understand, man, this is a critical, critical chapter. Because I've been reading through this all week and studying and preparing. You know what? One of the things that I remember, one of the things I noticed is that I've been where Jonah is. And I'll bet you can too. So I want to set the stage for just a moment. You know, many of you have read about the Nazis, about Hitler, about how horrible they were to the Jews and how they, how they just tried to wipe them out. Maybe there are some of you here that maybe have some ancestry in, in the Jewish nation. And you know what? Maybe, maybe there were some of your members of your family that suffered that type of brutality. Well, let's bring that forward a little bit. Some of you, most of you, I'm sure, will remember 9-11. You probably remember where you were. Do you remember when we found out who was responsible for that act? Can I just ask you, did you say a prayer for those people and ask that God would be long-suffering and that he would give them mercy? Or were you thinking, God, I want you to judge them? Back in the early 2000s, there were a couple guys by the name of the Carr Brothers. And they committed some horrible, horrible crimes against five individuals right here in Wichita. One of those individuals, when I was working on my master's degree at Wichita State University, was my lab partner, Jason Beffert. I want to ask you, how would you feel if you were to hear that they were baptized and they became followers of Jesus. Or this, how about this? BTK, Dennis Rader. All of a sudden, he's kind of come back up in the news again. Now, I'm not saying that this has happened, but when he was caught, were you wishing that God would give him justice and judge him, or would you, were you praying for him that God would show him mercy and compassion? What about that individual, that person that betrayed you? Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe you were in a relationship and, and man, they just, you never thought that they would do what they did, but it happened. And now you're all by yourself. When you see them, when you hear their name, do you pray for them and ask God to love them or do you pray, God, get them? This is where we find Jonah. He's hurt and he's hurt bad and he's angry. And he's upset because there's a group of people called the Ninevites who were a horrible, horrible people. And he's frustrated with God. Ever been frustrated with God? 
Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. And I'm going to read from Romans chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, you are God and I am not. I need to say that each and every morning when I wake up. But God, thank you for your mercy. For me, and yes, for others, even when I don't think they deserve it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So I want to begin with the verse from Scripture in this story. And it goes like this. When God saw what the people had done and how they had turned from their evil and wicked ways, he relented and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. Now here's something I think is really interesting right off the bat, and that's this. Jonah has just experienced what every pastor dreams about experience, total revival. I mean, people are saying, Jonah, you're the man. Man, what a sermon you preached. All eight words of it, right? But I mean, all of Nineveh, over 120,000 people have now experienced revival, and you would think Jonah is excited. Well, but that's not what happened. So I want to pause for just a moment here, and before we go on, I want to just say that there's a point here that I think that God wants us to hear loud and clear. You remember last week, we talked about the centurion. Remember that? And we talked about two different things that amazed Jesus. One of them was the the faith of the centurion, right? Do you remember what the second one was? It was recorded for us in Mark 6, verse 6, and it was the unbelief of the people of that time. So those are two things that amazed Jesus, but here's what I want you to do. As much as faith amazes Jesus, repentance touches his heart. My friends, the worst king in the Old Testament was a king by the name of King Ahab. You know what the Bible says about him? He did more evil before the Lord than all the kings combined. And then God sent the prophet to Ahab. Remember, he was married to Jezebel. And the prophet told Ahab that God was going to bring about destruction on him. You know what Ahab did? He repented. He got on his knees. He put burlap on him. He put dirt in his hair as a sign of repentance. And you know what God did? God said, look, do you see what, now he calls him, my servant Ahab has done. He has repented of his sin. And you know what God did? God said, because he repented, I am not going to bring on him the destruction I promised It's not going to happen in his lifetime. It'll happen later. Now, I just want you to know that the worst king in Israel, when he repented of his sin, 
God saw and was attracted to it. Why? Because God loves his kids and God loves you. And my prayer is this. In the church, you know where I want to be found? I want to be found in the back of the church. And I want to have a posture of humility. And I want to be the one who beats my chest and says, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God is attracted to the heart of the repentant person. All right, now, with that, now let's go on to the story. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Now, here's what I want you to understand right away. You would think, okay, this must be a Gentile who's speaking, but this is a pastor speaking. This is a prophet who is speaking. And what you need to understand is that in the original language, what this is saying here is that what was done was evil. Because of that, the Bible tells us that Jonah was furious. In fact, the Bible says, it describes his anger as like a boiling point. I remember when I was teaching, people would say, would say things like, hey, you need to stay out of Mr. B's way. He is hot today. And they didn't mean he's good looking. <laughs> they could tell that I was upset, that I was angry. And that's where Jonah is. He has just told God that what God did with the Ninevites, that was evil to him, and he is furious at God. Now, I just want to pause for a moment. The one thing I will say that I like about Jonah is that he's honest with God. He doesn't pull any punches. David is the same way in the Psalms. It didn't matter. He didn't try and hide his feelings from God when he was upset with God. He told them. When he wanted God to go after the people and not show them mercy but judge them, he did that. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be honest because then he can deal with us. All right, now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. So why is Jonah so mad? Well, let's find out. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. All right, now, we finally are going to get to know the answer to the question that we've been answer, asking for four weeks. Why in the world did Jonah run away from God? Why did he go to Joppa? And then why did he go all the way to Tarshish? This is now the second time in this story where, where Jonah speaks to God. The first time was in the belly of a fish, and now he's speaking to God, and he's looking at the Lord with a, with a closed fist. And you know what Jonah tells God? You want to know the reason why Jonah flees to Tarshish? Here's the reason. Because God says that he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. That's what flipped Jonah's switch. In other words, this is how Jonah's thinking. He's thinking, God... I told you this was going to happen. I know you. 
I know that you say something and then you give people second chances. And you know what? You know how I feel about the Ninevites. You know what a horrible people are. They cut off limbs, they cut off heads, they parade around, they skin people alive. You know how I feel about them and I knew you were gonna do this because that's who you are. You see, Jonah was upset, so upset with God that for this reason, that's why he tried to get away from God as far as he could because God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. I want you to look at that phrase. Compassionate and gracious, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. What I want you to know is this tells us something about Jonah. What it tells us is Jonah knows the scriptures. You see, this is a phrase from the book of Exodus. And this phrase was used when Moses was with God and he asked God, he said, God, show me your glory. And God says, Moses, you could not handle the glory of my face. So he allows him to see his backside as he passes by. And it's the same thing that the children of Israel say just before they go into the promised land. In Psalm, it says this in Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. How many of you are happy because of that? And here's what I want you to understand. Guess what? Jonah is thrilled about this as long as it applies to him and his people. But when it comes to the people of Nineveh, when it comes to the Carr brothers, when it comes to a BTK, when it comes to to Islam or whatever it may be, he wants to have nothing to do with it. In fact, Jonah says to God, what you did to Nineveh, in my sight, as far as I'm concerned, that's evil. Remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about a woman by the name of Fraulein Cory Ten Boom. Remember that? And for the last three weeks, she's been standing there, and her accuser, one of the guards, is standing there with his hand reaching out to her. Remember, he told her, he said, I, I, I believe in Jesus now. I, I've received him as my Lord and Savior. I have, I have received his forgiveness. Now I'm asking you, will you forgive me? Can you imagine everything that's playing in her mind? I remember what you did to my sister. I remember how you washed her when she was raped. I remember how it was when you treated her, when you denied her food. And I remember her last words when she died. And you are partly responsible for that. Can you just feel the emotion inside of her, and that's where Jonah is at. Been there? Are you there now? Watch. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Okay, now, this is the one thing about Jonah that I can't stand. You talk about a whiny baby. Have you noticed that every time life doesn't go the way he wants it to go, I want to die. But here's what I want you to know. God doesn't even address it. He just skips right over it. And what does he do? He gets to the point of what he's about to do right now. God is about to go after Jonah's heart. And what I want you to understand is that whenever God goes after somebody's heart, he does it in one way, and he does it through questions. 
God's about to get to the bottom of this. And I want you to think about that right now. Have you ever had a time when God was questioning you in your life? Think about this. Think about the questions that God asks. Hey, Adam, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Or with Cain and Abel. Hey, Cain, I'm looking for Abel. You seen him anywhere? Or what about when Jesus was with his disciples in Caesarea? Well, who do people say that I am? Okay, who do you say that I am? Or how about this to Judas? Dude, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? God confronts sin, amen? And that's what God is doing with Jonah, and that's what he does in our lives. Jonah wanted mercy, but he was not about to give mercy to anybody else that wasn't either a part of his family or a part of his people. All right, now watch what happens here. Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, I want you to understand what's happening here, okay? So the Bible tells us here that Jonah has now, he's he's done his job, he has given his sermon, and now he leaves the city, and what he does is he goes and he finds a spot up on the hill above the city where he can sit all by himself and watch and hope that God is going to destroy the city. He believes, I got a front row view because I want to see this city come down. I want to remind you of sometimes, sometimes the Bible tells us things that we have to understand the culture to know what's going on. You see, when we read through our Western eyes, we don't always understand some of these things. But I want you to look at that phrase, Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. Now that phrase, east of the city, is important, and here's why. Because in the Old Testament, that phrase, east of the city, is always linked to disobedience to God. Think about this. When God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, where'd he do it? East of the garden, right? Or what about this? All the cities on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, the cities of the Decapolis, they were called the evil cities. Or think about this, Abraham Lot. Lot, you choose first. Where did Lot choose? Lot chose to go eastwardly towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And so very plainly we see that Jonah is in disobedience to God. So where's Jonah's? He's sitting out on the hill. He's waiting and hoping and praying, God, get him. So watch what God does. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. All right, so so here's what happens, okay? So Jonah, is a hot day, and he's sitting out, and the sun has come up, and it is very hot, and so what he does is he builds a shelter. 
I would do the same thing. They didn't have umbrellas in those days, so we built a shelter. And the Bible tells us the shelter that he built is like that of the booths when they had the feast, the festival of the feast of booths. When the people would go out into the, into the wilderness and they would build a booth and then they would live in that. And that's how they would honor God as God provided for their ancestors in the wilderness. And so he builds a booth. But you know what God does? God causes a plant to grow right next to him. And as the plant spreads out its leaves, it provides shade. Woohoo! Now Jonah's got a suite. He's got a front row view about what is about to happen. Now, God's trying to teach Jonah a lesson. And the lesson that he wants Jonah to hear is this. There's the anger, the heat of Jonah's anger, and there is the heat of the sun. You remember that earlier God delivered Jonah through a fish, and now he delivers him through a plant. And here's what God wants to teach Jonah, because right now Jonah is giddy. You see, God wanted to save Jonah physically, by providing a plant that would give him shade for his physical discomfort. But what we're going to find out is what God is really doing is he wants to save Jonah from the wickedness of his heart. Because Jonah has a heart problem. And here's the problem. He's focused on the speck in the Ninevites' eyes rather than the log that is in his own. Here comes the lesson. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. (laughs) And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Here we go again, right? All right, so just think about this for a moment. A fish a plant, a worm, and an easterly wind. Jonah is now fully exposed, and now God is going to teach him a lesson. But before he does that, I want to share with you something that you need to make sure you understand. You see, right now, right here in this last verse, we see a piece of God's character that sometimes we don't like. And what I mean by that, it's two opposites. Remember how we talked about that God used the fish to judge, but he also used the fish to save and bring about salvation. You know what we see here? We see the two opposite natures of God's holiness. And you know what that is? To deliver and destroy. The Bible says it like this. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything that God does, in those loved ones even that we've lost, in the hurt and the pain that we are experiencing because of the disappointment and the betrayal, all of that first had to filter through the fingers of the Almighty God. He is well aware of what's going on. And what does he do he promises to use it for good. Yeah, but Pastor Bob, you don't understand the pit that I'm in in my life right now. Do you not realize how long I've been going through this? 
Do you know how long I've been hurting? Do you know how many times I've been crying out to him and you know what? He doesn't have the time of day for me. God is using what you're going through to get you to the place eventually where you will listen. Now in verse 8, something happens here. Jonah decides, I'm going to go be by myself. In other words, Jonah isolates himself. And I'm sorry, ladies, but isn't that just like a man? Did you hear that, guys? But it's true. That's what we do. We build walls. We isolate all the time. So, Lori, if you're going to treat me like that way, I'm going down to my basement. And you know the rule in the basement? No women allowed. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about, right? Now listen to this. This is the thing that really gets me. Jonah would rather be isolated from God than reconciled to God. You see, during this time, Jonah's praying for everybody else, but he's not praying for himself. You see, he believes that he and God are so much like this. Oh, I can pray for other things, and I can go to church, and I can sit in the back and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I'm a little ticked at him right now. And when he comes to me, that's when I'll start listening to him because he's the one that did this to me. Ever been there? I have. But God is just leading Jonah through. Now watch, let's finish this up. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. Don't you just want to slap him? He's lucky I'm not God, right? (laughs) All right, so let's just think about this for a moment. So now God is zeroing in. He's going to teach Jonah a lesson. And here's the lesson that he's saying to Jonah. Okay, Jonah. You forget who you're talking to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. And you have the gumption to tell me these people that I've created that I don't have a right to be concerned about them? Is that what you're saying to me, Jonah? You see, Jonah, my issue with you is that you are disappointed and you are angry about the plant, but you're not concerned one bit about the people who live in Nineveh. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, and I should not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is how God ends the book. We don't know what happens to Jonah. We do know that Nineveh later on became once again a very poor and a bad, bad country, a bad people. But God ends this with a question. And here's what he says to Jonah. You see, Jonah, what you don't realize is that I created those people just like I created you. And Jonah, what you need to understand is that just as you want my mercy, they have every right for my mercy as you do, because here it is, they're image bearers. They're created in my image just like you are. 
And how dare you? How dare you tell the creator of the universe what I can and can't do? You see, you look at life from this little, little teeny perspective, but I see life from one end to the other. And everything I am doing is a part of my plan. Because Central Community, God's plan, his will is that all men would be saved. Now there's a belief here that what God is saying is this. There is a belief that there is a people who are having a hard time, the Ninevites, of discerning right from wrong. And the reason that they were having that problem is because of their limited knowledge of God's word. And God's saying to Jonah, you have the word. And he's saying to all of us, you have my words in a book. And so God says to Jonah, Jonah, that's why I sent you to them. They don't have the word, so I sent you so they could have the word, that you could teach them the word of God. And my friends, God is saying the same thing to all of us here. God has blessed this church, and God has given us influence, and God has given us resources to where we can go to other nations across the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that God has said to a central community, I want you to go. Just last week, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Aaron and I were talking about how are some different, what are some different mission trips that we can start adding back into our missions budget so that we can be obedient to God and to go into the world, maybe even in that 1040 area, and we can go in the world and we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing I want you to remember. Some of you will be the ones that go. And some of you will stay here and just pray. There'll be others here will give your finances to help them go. But what I want you to understand is this. The sacrifice is all the same and the reward is the same in God's eyes. But do you remember what the Bible says? How will they know if nobody tells them? I'm gonna give you two challenges this morning, okay? And here's the first one. We have an opportunity to help a group of people halfway across the, across the earth in Pakistan. Now, I know that normally during our dollar club, we keep it local and community, but I want you to look over here to camera three, okay? And I want you to wave. This is Emperor, okay? Wave to him, okay? He's from Pakistan. His sister is there right now, and we were talking in between services, and you know what? His sister's there, and she's sharing the gospel. She's teaching Sunday school classes and all of those kinds of things, and so guess what we're going to do? Our dollar club is going to go to those people who are helping the people, even some of our churches that have been destroyed there, to rebuild and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And so I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask our, our ushers to come forward. And as they come forward and they receive this, I want you to watch this video with an interview about what's going on in Pakistan right now. 
news ads coming in. This one from Pakistan. Days of religious violence in the country. Devastated homes in Jarawala. Bibles were burned. Churches were set ablaze. Mobs setting fire to the roads of Punjab province. We are, are deeply concerned uh, that churches and homes were targeted. Rumors of blasphemous acts sparked outrage. Police arresting two Christian men who allegedly tore pages and wrote insults in a copy of the Quran. It was that supposed act of desecration that triggered the violence. They burn everything. About 400 houses in three different communities and 26 churches. They burn. My name is Irfan Safdargil. I'm from Pakistan, raised in Islamabad, Rawalpindi, Twin Cities. Then I moved to United States in 2014. Specifically in Jarawala, they planned everything. They announced in their mosque on the loudspeakers that somebody has disrespect their prophet. The police gave us 10 to 15 minutes to leave while announcements were being made from the mosque to attack us. They stole whatever they can from the houses and whatever they cannot take with them, they just burned. The violence drawing new scrutiny to Pakistan's blasphemy laws, which says that anyone who insults Islam or its key religious figures can be sentenced to death. All Muslim people, like, they're not bad. So the same way, like, all fingers are not even, so same, every person is not the same. So we cannot put everybody in the same category, you know. People, they are so poor. They are working so hard. They don't have even like $100 salary there monthly. This damage like nobody can bear. There's no insurance programs. There's nothing like that. It will take like another 10, 15 years to put everything back. So now people, they are they're suffering. Like they, don't, they have the houses, but there's nothing inside. But the biggest help is the prayer. The power is in the prayer. Helping financially, yes, that's the second thing I would say. But the first thing we need to pray. Yeah, we are, we are really, 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 really heartbroken for Pakistanis and anyone who's persecuting. But we can pray for them. Thank you so much. We are going to give the people who are there the opportunity to rebuild and the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Thank you for what you just did. All right, now I have a second challenge for you. Remember that Jesus told the disciples, he told me, he said, now listen, you go back and you wait for the Spirit of God to come, the Holy Spirit. And he said, and then he will give you power, first at home and then throughout the rest of the world. And you know what? In order for us to be better in what we do across the oceans, we've got to become better at what we do right here. And so I want to give you a challenge. A couple weeks I told you about, I've been asking you to pray about who it is that God may want you to share the gospel with. There were, there's a word, the word is leap. And L, remember, means to listen. The E means to empathize with people. So in other words, talk to people, ask questions, listen to their responses, and then empathize with them. The next one is the A, and just simply ask them, can I talk to you? Can I share with you the gospel? Can I read a scripture verse? I was talking to one of our members here, and I was talking to his daughter, and she was working on the beach. And what they would do is they would go and they would just ask people on the beach. They would just go up and, hey, can I, can I ask you something about a scripture verse? Or can I show you a picture and, and get your response on this? 
And very rarely did anybody ever tell them no, but then they had the opportunity to share the gospel. The P is for pray. You listen, you empathize with them, you ask them the question, and then you pray. Now here's what I'm asking you to do today. How many of you are going out for lunch for today, right after the service? Okay, I wanna know who I can send the bill to. Okay, all right, here's what I would like you to do, okay? The first thing I want you to do is when they come to your table, when the waitress comes to your table, I want you simply to say this. Hey, before we eat, we're gonna say a prayer. I'm wondering, is there anything that we could pray for you about? That's all you have to say. And then during your meal, whenever he or she comes back to wait on you, listen very carefully to what they say and ask them questions. Get more out of them. When it's all said and done, then here's what I want you to do. Hey, our pastor asked me to do something. And you know what? I just want you to know that I'm gonna leave you something. And all I would like to do is I'd like you to read this. And on the back, I put my name and my phone number so that if you have questions, you can call me. I really believe this is true. And then set it on the table after you leave the tip. Don't put this down there and not leave a tip, okay? That gives the Lord a bad name. Leave a tip and then put this down there and then let God do what he's going to do. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, if we were cut down to the heart of it, this is what you would say. I'm afraid. I'm scared of what, of what might happen. Maybe I won't know the answer to a question, or, or maybe, maybe I, I won't be able to, to give them what they need. And here's what I want to say to you. Do you remember Croy Ten Boom? Here's that man. He's got his arm extended, waiting for her to take hold of it and give him for the gizness. And she says, I could not move. I was frozen. So you know what she did? She prayed a prayer. And when she prayed that prayer, she talks about how the peace of God which passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus just came over here. And she grabbed that man's hand and she shook it. You are forgiven. What does that teach us? When you're not sure, when you're afraid, pray a prayer and then be obedient and watch what God will do through you. It'll blow your socks off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to listen to your word. But more importantly, Lord, thank you for the opportunities that we have to take what we've learned and apply it into our lives. God, we pray for the people in Pakistan, and we ask God for your hand upon them. We think about those who are there trying to share the gospel. I pray that you would give them power. And Lord, through our finances, we want to give them the resources to be able to do what they can do. And then, God, I pray for our church. Today, as we go out, and as we may go out to eat sometime this week, maybe it's today, I pray, Lord God, give us what it is that we need to say. Help me, Father, not to be thinking about myself, but to think about others. Just help me real easily to say, hey, we're gonna pray and bless our meal. Can we pray for you? And then, Lord, do your work. Father, I'm so excited about the lives that are gonna be changed just simply because seeds were planted. It may not happen today or tomorrow, but it may happen years from now, but it happened simply because a seed was planted. I'm believing and trusting in you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you please stand? These tracks are available for you, for you right out here 
at the guest services. So when you go out, just ask for one and just take it with you and let God do what he's gonna do. Receive the benediction, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. Go out to the world and make a difference. God bless you. We will see you next week.